Recently, a few friends of mine who are young parents were having a discussion about the less helpful baby gifts they'd received when their kids were born. I'm sure a lot of you can relate to this. They range from a baby rattle plated with silver, not the best thing probably for an infant to chew on, to a cookbook given not to the parents but to the baby. So a bit of a hefty gift when you're still a few years away from learning how to read yet. The magi in our gospel have to be in the running for most baffling baby gifts ever given. <laughs> Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I could just imagine what the Carrying Connection folks would do with these three. <laughs> you guys would straighten them out. Where's the, where's the diapers and the hand-me-downs and a couple of blankets and a few casseroles to put in the fridge? And... But my friends gave even their gift-giving, challenged acquaintances some credit because they recognized that the silver rattle was meant to be about something larger. They were trying to say with that gift, we believe this child is important. And the cookbook was about a certain hope or expectation, faith that this kid had a destiny to be a great chef when she grew up. And we could say something similar about the gifts of the Magi. These are symbolic gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They show, for one thing, that these guests recognize Jesus' significance, this child is important, and that they believe he has a great destiny. And with their offerings, they're making some predictions about that destiny. So first, gold, a gift for a king. And they're right. Jesus, we know, is going to bring an alternative kingdom. He's going to both proclaim and embody with his life a realm of peace and justice that he called the kingdom of God, which is going to challenge every earthly regime of power. Second, frankincense, used in incense, a gift for a spiritual leader. So, okay, they're two for two in their understanding of who Jesus is. And now the third gift is myrrh. Myrrh is used to anoint a body for burial. So this is their third accurate prediction about Jesus, that even his life will include the pain that comes with living in a mortal body. He will face suffering and loss. A woman asked bluntly the other day, if there's a God, why is there a refugee crisis? Why is there poverty? Why is there greed and so much corruption in our politics? For that matter, why did COVID happen? Why does cancer happen? If God exists, shouldn't all these things not exist? Shouldn't the world be easy? Shouldn't the world be perfect? This is a hard and good question that all of us ask, amen? No one is alone in asking this question. And it has no easy answers. I wish I could tell you it did. Like Jesus, all of us begin our lives with a mixed promise that we'll be given both beautiful and terrible things in our lifetime. There will be golden moments. There will be moments that just seem to be perfumed with the fragrance of God. And there will also be deaths, literal and spiritual moments of dying that we have to go through before we can rise again. For whatever reason, even the Son of God wasn't spared suffering. 
Right from birth, the wise ones knew that would be a part of his human experience. But that didn't make his life less of a miracle, just like it doesn't make our lives any less of a miracle. And it doesn't mean that we aren't beloved by God or that we aren't blessed, just as Jesus was loved and blessed by God. What matters is how we decide to live with what's given to us, this mix of beautiful and terrible things. So much comes down to the choices we make of how we approach all of it. In this gospel with Herod and the Magi, we're presented with two ways of choosing. It starts with two ways of looking at a star. The Magi are stargazers. This is what they do. They watch the sky. And when they see this star rising, they know that it will lead them to the one they recognize as, so they put it, King of the Jews. And their goal, they say, is to pay him homage. What drives them is respect and wonder. They're moved by a feeling of reverence for this human life and the divine shining through this human life that they've heard about. Herod, meanwhile, is used to thinking of himself as king of the Jews, so he does not like the thought of a rival, this person with an alternative kingdom to proclaim. Herod is driven by greed and selfishness and power, and we learn that he's willing to treat other people as objects to achieve his own agenda. He shows the opposite of reverence for human life, in fact, all life. He tells the travelers, you guys keep watch on the star. And when you find this newborn, tell me how to get there. I want to pay him homage too, is what Herod says. But of course, we know that his true goal is destruction. He wants to kill this child who's a threat to his power. And he's ready to harness not just other humans, but the star, the whole cosmos, for his own political ends. And it made me think about this past fall when... Certain of our political leaders sent newly arrived migrants on planes and buses from the southern border to northern cities and tried to pass this off as a humanitarian move. But really, of course, it was playing politics with people's lives. It was using vulnerable travelers for their own ends. Herod was doing a similar thing with the Magi. And while the wise ones saw the star as leading them to an encounter with God, leading them more deeply into mystery, into wonder, Herod, again, saw the star only as something to be used for destruction. So many gifts of God's creation we can harness either for wondrous purposes or for death-dealing purposes. You might have heard that a couple of weeks ago there was a major breakthrough among scientists in the field of nuclear fusion. Fusion is the same energy that exists naturally inside of stars. And whenever we've produced it in the past, it's been used for things like building hydrogen bombs. But they're speaking of this as a great potential moment for humanity, because if controlled and used the right way, nuclear fusion opens the door for a kind of clean energy that comes without waste and without pollution of any kind. No emissions, no mountaintops destroyed like with coal, no pipelines like with natural gas, no water contamination like with fracking, no or minimal leftover material like with our current nuclear power plants. So it could bring a great advancement in sustainability if we can manage it. And this is the same force that can be used to make a hydrogen bomb. 
My mother and her siblings grew up in Maryland near a military base called Fort Detrick. In the 60s, the generals at the base enlisted the local kids to prowl the grounds in the fields nearby, capturing fireflies and mason jars, and they told them they'd pay a penny a jar. So my mom and her siblings as little kids just couldn't believe their ears that they were gonna get paid for this because this was how they spent their evenings anyway. They loved catching fireflies in jars. They'd do this for free. They found out later that at that time, the military was actually studying whether the chemical that makes fireflies glow could be used in the making of chemical weapons. They only found that out later, and they were scandalized. They couldn't imagine looking at a firefly that way. This creature that they were so amazed by, they were fascinated by that, what seemed like a magic glow. How could anybody think of using such a marvelous being for purposes of destruction. They were in it for the wonder. A woman I know went into the army at 17. She went in as a young idealist with the promise that they'd pay for her to go to school to study languages. She thought she was studying to become a translator. She believed in this powerful thing called language to build bridges between cultures and to help people. When she found out midway through her first course, that she was learning these phrases for purposes of interrogating prisoners. She went to her superior and asked to be discharged, saying she didn't want any part of this. She had to fight to get an honorable discharge, and she told me later, I can't believe they gave me one. I was so naive to have thought it was benevolent what I was doing. I can't believe they let me drop out. She called it naive. It seems courageous to me. And the Magi do what she did. When they realize that their pawns in this destructive plan of Herod's, that they're being used to harm and kill, they drop out of the scheme. And instead of following the path laid out for them, Matthew tells us they take an alternative way. Many of us feel in some way like the Magi, like we're a little bit caught up in somebody else's game. The world is full of Herods. There will always be forces of destruction and greed and corruption and playing politics. This impacts each of us in our work, in the institutions we're part of, in the daily choices we make of where to live, where to go to school, where to shop, work, play, how to spend our time. And it's not always, it's not always possible to avoid entirely being caught up in these schemes. And I think we each have our own version of a certain lament. I became a doctor because I wanted to heal the sick, but now I work for this sprawling medical system that just feels some days like another corporation. I founded a nonprofit because I wanted to create justice but now I feel beholden to our biggest donors and what they want. I want to work for racial equity, but I live in a community created by housing covenants. I want to lead a sustainable life, but I can't afford to shop at a co-op or drive an electric car. The world is not perfect. Everything's a mixed bag, gold, frankincense and myrrh, beautiful and bitter things. 
And we usually can't completely separate them. For whatever reason, in this world, they usually come intertwined. But within every situation, no matter how compromised it is, no matter how difficult it is, it's always possible to still make that choice of the Magi, to do what's loving, what's humane, what's honoring of life itself. Even if we can't change everything, we can still reject the tunnel vision of Herod. We can refuse to objectify people and the earth. One powerful way to do this is just by cultivating reverence, the attitude the Magi had, making time to just be in awe before a firefly or a night sky or a frozen lake or another person without asking, is this useful? Without doing anything, just being there, just basking in their beauty and the beauty of God who created them. Wonder is an act of resistance, and not just to injustice, but to despair as well. Wonder is an act of resistance. Another practice to resist the Herods, another method of going a different way, is by being attentive to those times when it seems like collectively our mind opens and we remember how precious every person is, just slowing down enough to notice those, really take those in. Like many of you, I was watching when Bill's safety, Damar Hamlin, suffered a life-threatening collapse in Monday's game. I was watching as everything else was suspended. The rivalries, the money riding on the game and spent on it, the question of winning, all the emotions and attachments to a football game were set aside. And no one thought of anything except this young man struggling for his life and praying for him. The light of God shone through us right then. Not only in Buffalo and Rochester, but in Cincinnati, city of the rival team, the downtown skyline was illuminated in Bill's blue to show support. And long after the Buffalo team had left their prayer huddle on the field and gone inside to wait for news, one lone spectator in the stands wearing a Bengals jersey stood there in the cold, silently holding a sign that said simply, pray for Buffalo number three, Hamlin. He stood there well into the night. He stood there until the last Bills fan had left the stadium. He wanted everyone to be able to see it as they walked out. On Monday night, we had an epiphany, all of us together. We remembered that more important than anything is honoring a vulnerable life. So much can be put toward good or ill in this world, including our days, what we do with each moment. Life is a gift, a gift that's sometimes amazing and sometimes baffling, but a gift nonetheless. What matters is what we choose to do with it. <laughs>